25 years on the PGA Tour and a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Jay Delsing brings you his perspective on one of the world's greatest games as a professional golfer and network broadcaster. It's the game that connects the pros and the average Joes. Brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Golf with Jay Delsing is now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, St. Louis, and welcome to Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I'm here with my buddy, John Perlis. Perley, good morning. Good morning, Jay. Good got to a, see you. Got a little extra sleep in today. We're at 8.30, folks. Thanks for joining us. We're, uh, we're going to be this 8.30 to 9.30 slot for probably the next four and a half months, right? Through the middle Love of golf it. season. Love it. Yeah so, um, yeah, so thanks for joining us today. We formatted the show just like a round of golf. This first um, segment is the On the Range segment. It's brought to you by 20 Minutes to Fitness. 20 Minutes to Fitness once a week. It works for me. All right, Pearls, this is really going to be a fun show. I can't I, – I almost feel like – and, you know, this is probably how I feel like always. We could do this show without writing anything down. We're going to talk today That's about – That's how I do most of the shows. Why, why is this one got to be something different? All these papers are just props. <laughs> yeah, right. And they're all the same. I guess uh, it's because you're the one doing all the work. That's yeah. why it, doesn't see, it seems that way to me. No, so so – Today we're going to talk about the caddies. We're going to talk about player-caddy relationship. We're going to talk about crazy things that caddies have done. Um, uh, we started as caddies. We all started as caddies. Old how? caddies versus caddies nowadays. We got the good, the bad, the ugly on the caddies. We've got That's both old and good. That's new. right. We're going to have a lot of information about the caddies. But um, uh, let's go down and join my fellow PGA professional and um, the city manager for Golf Tech, Justin Hoagland. Uh, for our segment from Golf Tech this week. Thanks very much, Justin. And uh, folks, stop into Golf Tech. Mention that you heard Golf Tech on the show, and you're going to get a uh, 50% discount on your nice. first uh, swing analysis. Nice. So, uh, yeah, uh, we really appreciate the support from Golf Tech and Justin. And um, just a few kind of uh, paperwork sort of things to uh, go over um, this last Friday. We had the Valentino Dixon Arts Unleashed event at the On God Arts Hotel, and um, oh man, I just we'll, we'll we'll have to revisit that on another show sometime. But what a cool guy! Yep, uh, and uh, his paintings. I like his work. I like his work a lot. Yeah, his story is just remarkable. Yep. So, um, uh, so let's get let's just jump into this uh, this story about the Caddies Pearl. Um, where do, want, where do you want to start? I mean, there's so much to go, but let me ask you, what are some of your earliest memories of catting growing up? That was, that's where I was going to cool. start. So we used to bet on our players. <laughs> so hopefully none of them are listening. Maybe they're not alive anymore. But we used to bet on our players. And, we, you know, Norwood was, was where I grew up caddying. And it's a hilly, hilly course. And so... We'd be. What would you bet whether they could get to the top of the oh, hill? No, what my my player is going to beat your player. Oh, you okay. know, and we didn't have that much money, <laughs> but sometimes we bet more than we were making, which was a whole nother story. But you know, those balls would fly over the top of the hill, Pearl, and I'd run over there, and some of the guys there'd be some balls. There'd be some little extracurricular golf ball activity. <laughs> you know, balls would go flying out of bunkers. Balls would be coming into bunkers. We um, we had just such a great time. But realistically, I what I learned from the people that I got the caddy for and being around the game was just spectacular. And, and being around that country club atmosphere, which was such a step up for me, the way we grew up and, and what I knew. And um, who's the guy everybody wanted to caddy for or the lady everybody wanted to caddy for? My, uh, my brother got to caddy for him all the time. His name was Ike Molnix. God rest his soul. Ike has passed away now. Um, he played first thing in the morning. He paid three times what everybody else did, and he played about two hours. I like that guy already. He was fantastic. Yep. What's the worst? What's the worst one? Oh, that I, I got to? all the worst. And Neil Hilke, <laughs> if you're listening out there, you can laugh at this because you're the caddy master, and I'll never forget. You gave me Wayne McFarland, who took seven hours to play and paid me like five dollars. <laughs> We kind of, I kind of walked into the 18th hole backwards. I was like delirious, and uh, Mr. McFarland was a great guy, but it was brutal. Caddying. I would caddy for my father, so I learned how to bet. I learned how to win or lose a bet on the first tee. 
I learned how to get the needle out early and keep it out all day. Uh, it was always a good group of guys. And, you know, like you, all of a sudden, here we are at a very young age, kind of right in the middle of watching adults and how they intermingle in a way very differently than we would see them any other part of our lives. So that was always a, a big deal when I look back on it. At the time, I just thought it was fun. I, I didn't know how, what an advantage it gave me for the years to come. How about just just the interaction that was so unexpected? And how long did it take you walking down the fairways to know, oh, boy, this is going to be a rough day? With the different personalities, and, and and now I can tell you by before you even get off the driving range about <laughs> what the folks are going to be like in a pro am. But can you? Re- I can just remember going, "Oh boy, this is really going to be a tough one," you know, because he's ticked off about something, and yeah, I, I can't do to, anything I, right. I was happy to be out there though early early on. I know, I know what you're saying, uh, especially after few years down the line, uh, caddying and that kind of stuff. But early on, it was just generally fun to be out there. And for me, fairly early on, the guy that taught me the game, uh, Don Harrison from up in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, what what I got from him was so much more because I also got the caddy for him. And I ca- got the caddy for him in some professional tournaments up in the Canadian Tour events. As a matter of fact, that's when I had my first encounter, and I'm sure we'll talk about him in the future. You know who it is. Mo Norman. Mo Norman, baby. I got to see him when I was, I want to say, 12 years old. Yeah. And then I got to see him again um, in college. And then I got to see him again my second year on the Canadian tour up there. And just to kind of see his career and the things that happened there. So it opened the world to me, just caddying. And it, and it, it, it was nice to have at that age to have some uh, cash in your pocket, too. How about, well, that was really, you know, why I did it. And it, and it Got my golf Jones going, so it was sure. just a fantastic, you know, double whammy. What about at UCLA when Coach Marins wanted us to <laughs> caddy? Well, down in the original caddy alley, as we'll talk about it a bit, little bit. Yeah, it was underneath the clubhouse. And you're going to, folks, you're going to hear about caddy alley stories from Pearly because when I'm playing on tour and I'm in there, you know, having a nice lunch, Pearly's in wrestling around and down in caddy alley, and they come out. <laughs> carrying my bag with his eyes crossed and smoke coming out of his ears. I'm like, what happened? He's like, I'm not really sure. Well, some of the adventures and lives these guys led, and then when you would just be in a room or an area just with caddies, the stories that would come out, the gambling that come out, the gamesmanship that would come out, it was amazing. But back to the college at, at UCLA, yeah, we'd have to go. I don't remember how often, but once in a while he'd call us and say, hey, Need you up here. Mrs. Habersham needs a, uh, a caddy. And aren't you glad we didn't have cell phones? <laughs> oh, yeah, because he would have called all day, every all day, day. All day long, yeah. And and But just being down there, I can remember sitting there watching TV. They're drinking uh, coffee, kind of getting ready for the day. And you just kind of get in line who's going to go next unless they, you know, a member wanted a certain caddy and that kind of stuff. And it was amazing. Those guys were absolute characters. Dr. O. We can't even talk about Bobby. Doctor. I mean, there's yeah. I, just just the 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 uh, characters amongst that group was uh, funny. And same in college, though. I'd go out and caddy, and sometimes caddy double at uh, at Bel Air. And uh, there was a couple of ladies on ladies' days. They just didn't like to pull uh, much cash out of their pocket at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And probably my worst day ever up carrying doubles. It took forever. I'm sure they were in combined forty sand traps. So I'm raking both those puppies, running back and forth, trying to get this done. I think they each give me 12 bucks. 12 Canadian? bucks. Yeah. I, at the time, I didn't care what it was. Mostly, I, I'm thinking, I'll pay you if I can be done with oh. this. And I lose the $12. You won't be surprised with this. No. In the parking not, lot. Not at all. No, no. We don't have time to go into those stories about Pearly and losing money, but that's a whole nother show. I can remember, we got to go just very quickly. I get a call, and Coach Merritt says, you got to come up. I'm like, oh, brother. Because I, I, I just was kind of over caddying at this time. And I get Hack Wilson, Hall of Fame baseball player. And I'm thinking, right on. This is going to be fantastic. And some guest of his. Well, Hack had like 85 golf balls in his bag. He had a strap about the size of a old, really thin belt. And he shot like a 130. And I was in hell the whole day. I'm like, I don't care if you're in Hall of Fame. And I think he paid me like $8. But also somebody, so there's a celebrity that didn't work out so good. I got to carry for uh, Jerry West one time, yeah. and he can play. Cool dude, yeah. He really cool, cool dude, dude yeah. and could flat play. Yeah. And his group 
there was a, a little bit of coin on the table a lot uh, of coin with, on the with table. that with that group. But he was he was really a pure player. Not a surprise. He was a pure basketball player and uh, wasn't as good a golfer. But he was smooth like he was in basketball. Sean Connery. I got to play one of the coolest person I ever played golf with. He comes up to me in that Scottish, whatever that accent is, and says, young man, would you care to play nine holes with me? And it's James Bond talking. Yeah. And I'm like, can you do it? Can I do this? You know, it was fantastic. Max Bear was up there oh, from yeah. Jethro yeah. from Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. I never caddied or, or played with him. That guy had the biggest head I ever saw in my life. Yeah, he did. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that because I, I thought that was me. No, I thought no. I had that Jethro distinction. Had it. He absolutely yeah, had he, it. He did have it. There were celebrities walking around there all the time. Well, let's talk a little bit about the PGA Tour. Okay. Coming out on the PGA Tour as a rookie and having all of these, you know, so I'm 23 years old and there's all of these, 24 years old maybe, and all of these older men going, hey, can I caddy for you? And and up to this point, you really haven't had many caddy experiences, you know, where now all of a sudden I'm the boss and, oof, man, those caddies lived some rough lives early on the PGA Tour. We played for no money. Those guys traveled in packs together and vans, and nobody flew. None of the caddies flew. They'd, you know, If they had to go from L.A. to Miami, they drove it. And they'd stay four, five, and six to a hotel room, and they drank a lot. So just we're going to get towards the end of the segment. Just give a little info, Jay, on how it's changed. You just kind of described them. What are some major changes we can talk about in the next couple of seconds? Yeah, so here's here's what it looks like nowadays. The so guys come, uh, they're incredibly more prepped than we were to play the tour. They're they're ready to go right out of the gate, where a lot of us were still learning the game, a lot, some of the nuances of the game. And they'd go to someone like, well, like if we were doing it, and if you weren't a pro, let's say you and I were just best buddies and you, you knew golf, but you'd, I'd say, pro, hey, you want to come caddy for me on tour this year? And uh you know, if I keep my card, I make a million bucks, and you're going to make, you know, $150,000 carrying a bet. We'd have had a blast. You know, but that's what the guys are doing now. They're getting they're getting friends. They're getting, you know, high school chums, and they're, they're getting whomever. People they, wanna, they know they want to spend a lot of time with. And that's the bigger difference between the modern-day team orientation and player-caddy relationship and what we did on tour. There, It really wasn't team-like you know you know i'm glad you said that because you you can't hardly hear a guy get interviewed if they're playing well or have won a tournament that they're not referencing we my team us all that kind of stuff and i don't think i ever heard that in the uh, 20 years ago i mean like ever did you hear what joe's joe uh, tiger's interview on the sunday's round after he bogeys four and five on sunday's round i watched him and I and I saw him, go, you know, run off to the restroom, and, and uh, Joe followed him in there, and they had a, they had a little talking to, and you know, and that, oh man, I, that's hard to imagine that happening twenty five years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I, I, there's obvious changes, and I think we can keep on kind of uh, referencing uh, the, the things that uh, that we've noticed. Yeah, it's all great stuff, and um, that's going to wrap up the on the range segment. Um, this is golf with Jay Delsing. On 101 ESPN. Come back and we are going to go to the front nine. Doster, Olam, and Boyle LLC are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle, three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate, finance and restructuring, and succession planning. Since its founding in 2015, Doster, Olam, and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over $1 billion. For decades, Doster, Olam, and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster, Olam, and Boyle, LLC. Extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. I need to tell you about my friend Joe Sheezer at USA Mortgage. He's been a loan officer for 26 years, and over that period of time, he has closed over $500 million in loans and specializes in pairing the right loan program for each borrower. He has unique loans for the first-time home home buyers, VA loans for veterans, no-cost loans uh, for refinances, and cash-out opportunities for your credit cards. Right now, Joe just called me last week 
and I am refinancing my home from a 30-year to a 15-year fixed, and it's going to save me over $100,000 over the life of the loan. You've got to call Joe at 314-628-2015 today. Joe's NMLS number is 281113. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company. St. Louis, Missouri. Prost! You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. You can find Jay online at jdelsinggolf.com. Hi, this is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I'm with my buddy, John. And we are going to the front nine. And I have to thank my friends at Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring this show. There's 72 holes of golf at Whitmore. Um, with a Whitmore membership, you get complimentary golf at all the Whitaker courses, that's the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, the golf clubs, the golf club of Wentzville. And the cart fees are included in that membership. There's no food or beverage minimums. There's no assessments. They have a 24-hour fitness center, a huge pool complex, and three tennis courts. The year-round social calendar is spectacular. The holiday parties were great. Picnics, date nights, live music. There's a kids' club out there. You can drop your children off if you and your wife want to go play or you and your girlfriend want to get out and uh, have dinner. There's junior golf, junior tennis, all sorts of different family activities to uh, to enjoy out at Whitmore. Get If you get a chance, you got to get in the golf shop and go check out my friend Bummer. He is a great guy, and he'll tell you all you need to know. So go check out Whitmore. You can call him at 636-926-9622. Thanks for reaching out with your questions, your emails, um, any any sort of golf-related um, stories that you have. Uh, you can find me, Jay, at jdelsinggolf.com. And if we read your email, you'll get Golfer 2 at Gateway National. Really nice track right on the uh, east side of town, just across the river. Compliments of uh, Walter's Golf Management. Perfect. Well, this week we have uh, Patrick. He asks, can you help me figure out why I continually struggle with my putting, especially on my long putts? I cannot seem to get the distance right distance right on my putts over 15 to 20 feet. Yeah, Patrick, good question. Thanks uh, for listening and for writing us. And, uh, yeah, I, I can tell you pretty safely there's two things that you have to work on. First and foremost, you're probably going – you're short of the hole, you're short of the hole, and you get tired of going short of the hole, and then you probably blast one that goes 15 feet by the hole. You've got to take your lower body out of your putting stroke. From your belt line to the ground needs to be locked in cement. I don't want you to be tense. I just don't want it to be moving. And what happens is, Patrick, when you're swinging your driver and your five iron, even your short wedges, that that part of your body is such a motor and it's so powerful and you want that active. But in your as we get closer to the hole, and, and this is a tip for everybody, Pearl, as we get closer to the hole, we want more precision and more softness and more accuracy than than power. I mean, think about it. We're standing on the tee and we got a fairway that's probably forty yards wide. We want the ball in the fairway. We got a next shot, we're going into a green that's probably, you know, fifteen yards wide and maybe 20 yards deep, so the target's getting smaller. Now, all of a sudden, we're going for a hole that's a little more over, you know, four inches wide, and we need precision. Now, we don't need power. So, there, there's really two components to the golf game, the powerful swing off the tee and with your irons and things like that. And then, as we get closer to the hole, we want some softness, some subtleness, and some uh, precision. And then, th- the last thing is, you've always got to check your aim, Patrick. M- more times than not, your stroke is going to mimic your aim. And what I mean by that is if you set up, let's assume you're a right-handed golfer and you set up with your body and all of your lines too far left of your intended target line for this putt, you're going to create a stroke that's going to give you a chance to get it on that line. The problem is, Patrick, it'll be ridiculously inconsistent. Every once in a while, your timing might be on, you might be able to roll roll well, roll a couple of putts in, but by and large, 
It's not, never going to be anything you can count on. Get that line on your putter like we've talked about in the show. Get the line on the putter matching the line on the brand of the ball. It doesn't matter if you're playing a Titleist, a Shrixon, uh, uh, a TaylorMade, and line that up to go down the line of, the, of where you want your ball to start. And then try to make your backstroke and your through stroke match in uh, in length. And if anything, let your through stroke be a tiny bit shorter than your backstroke. Jay, should you practice some 15 to 20 footers or spend more time on that to kind of see what his alignment's looking like and some of the other things you just mentioned? For sure. And he's going to have to get a second pair of eyes in there to have somebody give, like him, a, give him a give him a, a, a read because you don't, you know, Pearl, that's saying on tour, your feel ain't real. You know, you're convinced you're doing this. You're convinced. You, and then you see it on video and you're not. Or you have a pair of trusted eyes. You know, Trusted eyes, maybe like a caddy? Yeah. Hey, let's talk about the caddies. <laughs> Absolutely. Here we go. Okay, so you first got on tour. You gave us a little description about how the caddies have changed through the years. Guys are looking for people they want to hang out with, spend a bunch of time with. Are the guys traveling more with their caddies now? Are the caddies with them? Or is it like the old days where the caddies were very much on their own? Oh, certain situations. So many guys fly privately anymore. Do the caddies get to go on that? They do. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't one. remember that I, happening. That didn't happen for us. God dang it. I know it. I wish it would. But, um, of course, you weren't flying and me driving. We were both driving. <laughs> yeah. we, we were together. It, it wasn't, wasn't like, like it, right. it wasn't like I was living it up and not taking you with me. Um, yeah, that is that is kind of um, what it's like. Otherwise, though, the caddies aren't driving hardly at all anymore. They'll drive when it's convenient. Sure. They'll have their own cars out when it's convenient, but you know they they just it's just a whole different existence on the PGA Tour. The money is five, six, eight times what we were playing for, and it trickles down to the caddies and everybody else. So, is it, tell us about the first caddy you ever had playing in a in a PGA Tour event. So, the first caddy I ever had was my buddy John Winston. He lived here in town. He used to own for folks that are about our age. He owned a, a bar down at the Landing. Mm-hmm. Called Bogarts and Winnie's a fun guy. Great guy. A fun guy. Great guy. It's best story. Okay, first tournament he's caddying for me in Hawaii. I'm playing on Sunday with Bernard Langer and Tom Pertzer, and I am I'm playing well, and I'm like five under par with two holes to go, and and uh, I think I'm probably I don't know, somewhere approaching the top ten, and you know this is going to be a huge payday, and I hit this shot in on 17 at Wailea. I hit it about six seven feet from the hole. And that was one of the first times I'd ever really putted on Bermuda greens before. But these Bermuda greens were perfect, not much grain. And for whatever reason, Pearl, every putt seemed kind of straight that week. And so I was just just (laughs) hooping a lot of putts. But I got this putt, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, it looks like it could go right from behind the hole. It looks like it can go left from behind the ball. And I said to Winnie, I said, Winnie, what do you think about this putt? What do you think it's going to do? And I, he, he, Gets up from crouching down from behind the ball, and I look at him, and his his face is as red as that microphone cover in front of you. And I go, you okay? And he goes, I think it breaks towards the water. I said, you realize we're in Hawaii? <laughs> he said, I do. I have no idea. And he goes, just knock it in. And actually, that little levity, I was yeah. like, that is, that is, it's, I'll never forget did that. Did you story. knock it in? I did. I knocked nice. it in. Yeah. It's like, nice. why, why would I try to read anything else into it? I said they mostly sure. look straight. I Tried to aim it straight and it went in. Um, I remember he caddied for you at least in one tour tour school. Yep. And yep. Uh, I caddied later in your career in tour tour schools. Yep. That's a tough caddy oh, week. Man, oh man, it's a tough week, gosh. especially when you're playing for the rights to get on the PGA yeah. Tour through six rounds. Not or, not to get on the web.com. Not that there's anything wrong with the web. It's a great place, but it's not and, the place you want to be, and it's not where you're trying to get to. <laughs> right? It's not. One of my favorite, I, I got this guy named Dick Christie came up and caddied for me. When I started when looking did he for caddy? caddies. Where, where were you in your career? When I am in probably my third year. Okay. And um, he, I, I was looking for a guy that was kind of better groomed, you know, wanted, thought he might show up, stay on time, things like that. Um, and so his nickname was The Judge because in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, he was a judge. And he left his... <laughs> Judgeship to come caddy on the PGA Tour. Oh, baby. There's yeah, going to be so a story we were, behind that yeah, right there. Yeah, I know. There. So I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, okay, we're going to, he's going to be a responsible guy. And, and he was. He showed up. Everything was good. We're coming down like third or fourth round, last hole. And I, um, this is when we had fly, you know, I had a flyer every time I hit it in rough, which was about sure. every time I hit a deep ball. 
So I'm playing for this ball to jump on the last hole, and it doesn't jump, and so it stays down on the lower tier. We're playing at La Quinta, La Quinta Country Club in, right. in, in Palm Springs. And um, he hands me my putter, and I've got 40-foot, 40 40-footer. 40, uh, 40 he hands me my putter and says, anything but a three-putt here, boss. Oh, baby. Oh, and I went, baby. What? What? <laughs> and you know what I did? Three-putters. And I looked at him, and I was holding my putter, and I was thinking, I could hit you with my putter right now. So I said, never. Is that before sports psychology was invented? Yeah, at least in my world it was. I was kind of giving him my own version of my own sports psychology at this point. If you can't say something positive, I don't want you to ever talk to me again. He's like, what did I do? I go, why why won't you just tell me to hold a 40-footer instead of not three-putting it? Or say nothing. Or say nothing's better. Right. And I said, you know, I'll let you know when a good time to three-putt is. <laughs> what? I haven't found that time yet. Oh, for, my gosh. oh man. It was Well, it that's, was there's so much responsibility. I'm not sure that the caddy makes a situation. And I think sometimes it can absolutely be very, very helpful. But, boy, as a caddy, you can really misstep on any of those because – Sometimes, sometimes you guys are really fragile out there. Oh, I mean, sometimes? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, if it starts raining at the wrong time, you could get it. But that's why I think when off. you're talking about nowadays when the guys have their friends with them, they get them. They know much more when to say, what to say. They have a better chance of cracking a joke at the right time, a little bit of levity. I mean, there's times when I was caddying for you, there's a lot of pressure going on, but somehow... I could throw something out there to just kind of oh, cut to the chase. And if I, if we didn't we, know each other, even if somebody else said the exact same thing to you, it, it wouldn't, it have, been wouldn't good. have come across no, I wouldn't the have been same pissed. way. I can remember I would, I've literally had hundreds of people say to me, they did not know me, when you caddied for me, they were like, we had so much fun. Following. What were you guys talking about? Nobody is smiling and laughing and joking as much as you two are out there. Well, sister go, who does not watch much golf would say the exact same thing because when I'd caddy when you'd be on the, on the TV – she kind of said the same thing. You guys are just out there. And I don't remember <laughs> I don't that remember way. Said, it that way I remember just trying to keep up. Do I get that protein bar at the turn? Do I have enough waters in my pouch for you? Do I have that extra what golf about, ball what, when you need it? What about the first, one of the first times you caddied for me? We, were on the, we had to do a 36-hole Sunday uh, finish at Tucson or something, and it was hotter than hell. Is this the Milwaukee one? That was another 36 Which hole. is the one, Pearl, where we got to the team, we each had like a 12-pack of water. Remember? Yeah, you're I'm like, I got enough water. I was stuffing it in the bag. You're like, this is when. So remember in the old days. <laughs> There's a problem with that because I'm carrying it. So <laughs> It didn't really bother me that much. No, but I, I could end up bringing. I couldn't have too much because I would need more if I was carrying more. I never <laughs> did figure out that equation. <laughs> but remember when we go from drinking water out of like a little Dixie cup yeah. to, oh, man, we got bottled water on the PGA Tour now. How cool is this? So I was like, I'm hoarding this stuff. <laughs> and you're like, dude, I've already got four in the bag. You can't put that other 12 back they in them, They have them on every other tee. If not I, every I, tee I know, I know, I know. So I was a slow learner. But um, another mm-hmm. great caddy story on the positives. I gave you a, a lousy story. I was walking up to the 18th green at Omaha, 2002, I think. And I had about a 10-foot putt to win the tournament. And it was 100 degrees out, and my caddy was fading fast. Hawk was a great guy, lives in Tennessee. He said to me on 18, he goes, Boss, I don't think I have any more holes in me. You're going to have to end it right here. (laughs) I like that. I like that. And I thought. And you were thinking that way anyway. I was thinking that way anyway. But, um, yeah, interesting. And that was one of those things. And then I took, we signed a card. Had a nice little uh, puppy pile with the girls. Not a real pile, but it was really mm-hmm. fun to have the girls there. And then we took Hawk straight in the men's locker room, threw him in the shower, and got he had two gallons of IVs administered really? in the shower. Really? So he was hurt. He was hurt. Yeah. 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 He was hurt. Those are long days out there. I mean, you yeah. know, part of understanding this, I think, is, you know, just the nature of a round. I mean, we're up, you know, three, what, four hours before you're playing. You're working out. I'm running around with the bag, getting things ready, toting that puppy around. And how many miles are we walking on the golf course? Somewhere around 10. Around 10 miles carrying, I think it was a 190-pound bag. I think it was actually 40. It just felt like 190. <laughs> Some days it had to feel like 290. <laughs> and it was always light when you were playing good. Yep. And it was dog heavy. <laughs> I can't really drag this puppy if you weren't playing well. 
I'm sorry about those days. I know. I look at you. I'm like, dude, just throw a couple clubs out of that bag and lighten it up. Well, we tried that in Australia that one time. It didn't work very well. Oh, we got to tell that story. We will tell that story. We got to tell that story when we come back. Well, that's going to wrap up the front nine. Um, This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Come back and uh, catch the back nine with Pearlie and I on 101 ESPN. Are you looking for a golf training facility and PGA pros to help you out year-round? Make sure you get to Golf Tech. They've been in St. Louis since 2007 and have three convenient locations to serve you. They've got state-of-the-art video equipment, and you can take your lesson home with you and replay it as much as you'd like. Start with a golf swing evaluation for only $125 and let a Golf Tech coach customize a game plan for you. 314-721-GOLF. You can find them online as well, golftech.com St. Louis. Play better. Swing better. Golf Tech. I got a big shout-out and a thank you to Whitmore Country Club for supporting my golf show. I don't know if you know, Whitmore Country Club has 72 holes of golf. There's a 24-hour fitness center and has a extremely large pool complex. This is a family-friendly country club to belong to. There's a kids' club in the main clubhouse right near the fitness center. There are golf leagues, skinned games. Members, tournaments, couples, events are available all year long. If you join at Whitmore, you also get access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. And the cart fees are already included in that membership. There are no food or beverage minimums, no assessments. Go out and see my friend Bummer out in the clubhouse. He is an absolute jewel and a wonderful guy that will tell you all you need to know. Or you can call Whitmore at 636-926-9622. After 25 years on the PGA Tour, Jay Delsing takes you behind the scenes from the eyes of a pro. Now back to more golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I got Pearly with me, and uh, we're going to the back nine. Pearly, this segment's flying by. Folks, we are talking all about caddies. And you got a great one for us. Well, you're talking about the right attitude of the caddy, caddy saying the right thing to the player. Something I'll throw out there as well. I'm playing Canadian Tour, so it's it's a professional event. And we show up a couple times a year, and they would ask us to take some of the junior players at the club to caddy. And so we want to oblige. We want to promote the game and that kind of stuff. But it's a little bit nervy sometimes with the, with the younger guys. So this one week I'm up in, uh, in Windsor. I'm playing with Billy Ray Brown. He gets his caddy, nice enough young young kid. My caddy, when I tighten the straps up as much as possible, the bag was still resting on his heels. <laughs> so his mother comes up to me right before he tee off and says, "Hi, I'm you know Jimmy's uh, mom," and I'm like, "Well, nice to meet you. You know, I got a hit." Yeah. And she says, "Now I've got a cart hidden behind a tree on the second hole. If it's okay, if Jimmy just throws the the bag on the cart," <laughs> and I'm thinking. No, okay? no, I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah. The pro comes out to me and says, yeah, it's okay. Jimmy's dad was a big shot in town or something, so Jimmy was going to caddy in that tournament, but he wasn't going to carry that bag. And I didn't care. I wanted right. the kid to have right. a good time, and he was a nice, a nice young guy. We're out there in about fifth or sixth hole. Billy Ray gets up there and just pull, hook, snipes one out of bounds, Billy Ray Brown. And the caddy so for, goes— For people that don't know Billy Ray Brown— Went on the PGA Tour, won three times, one hell of a player. Well, he's commentating on one of the, the Golf Channel. Golf yeah, Channel. the Golf Channel. He does the senior. He does the Champions Tour stuff now. Super, Sorry. super yeah. player. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that. Several-time All-American uh, yep. in, University in, of Houston. Houston. Yep. That, that His kind dad of was, a, was an all-pro center, I think, for the Los Angeles Raiders, or for the Oakland Raiders. And, Bill, and Billy Ray is also an all-pro character. A hundred percent of that. We might have a show yeah. on Billy Ray Brown. Yeah, we at some could point. do that. Yeah, we could. So Billy Ray gets up there and just pulls snap hooks one into the trees, and his caddy says, "Oh no!" And Billy Ray turns to him as kind as he could, says, "Son, after I hit a shot, you never say oh no." And this poor kid is just panic stricken. He's all scared. And Billy was pretty nice about it. He's just like, "Hey, don't say that when I my ball's in the air. Don't say oh no." About three holes later. Billy Ray just pounds a tee shot, but he just pushes it a little tiny bit, catches a fairway bunker, and just buries under the top lip. I mean, you can barely see, like, two dimples of the ball. So he's in there, and he's huffing and puffing, walking around this bunker. He is so hot. 
caddy gives him whatever club he wants, which is, I'm sure, whatever. We didn't have 60s back then, but it was something as close as possible to that. Billy Ray gets up trying to set himself in this bunker because he's up on the face. And, you know, it's, he's got 180 to the hole yet. And he's not going to hit this thing five feet trying right. to get this thing out. And right before he takes it back to caddy, he says, I know you can do it, Mr. Ray. I know you can do it, Mr. Ray. <laughs> Billy Ray backs off. We are all laughing. He called him Mr. Ray. <laughs> But what he could do what? He's gonna hit it five feet. Oh, it was so funny. The little the little guy was just doing his best. It broke the whole thing. And then about two holes later, I kept getting to my cat. He said, You've got to keep the towel wet. So finally, Billy Ray Brown actually says to the kid, There's a pool over there. Just dump it in that kid that people's pool. <laughs> so, so this is one of these five foot towels. Now remember, this kid's four and a half feet tall. Right. He dumps the whole thing in there so it's completely socked away. He could barely carry the towel back to the bag. <laughs> anyway, good stories back on that. Absolutely. Um, you know, probably the first most recognizable mm-hmm. caddy that I can remember, Pearl, was Angelo, the caddy for mm-hmm. Jack. Yeah. Remember with kind of the bigger afro, kind of gray. Uh, one of the first ones that ever get any notoriety. I think so, yeah. Um, and then we have, I have an interesting uh, Gary Player caddy story. Let's hear it. Um, I may have heard it, but I want to hear it again. So opposite Augusta was this tournament called the Magnolia Classic in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. My my rookie year, I'm driving with Steve Pate into this uh, into Hattiesburg, and it's a not a big town, great town. And Rabbit, who's caddied for Gary Player for all these years, comes and says, "Hey, Mr. Delson, can I caddy for you?" I'm like, "What do you want to caddy for me for?" But sure, yeah, right on. Come on. So Pete's like, he wants these wants to caddy for you. I go, yeah, cool. So we go along, when, and he shows up, real tall, thin guy, shows up each day with just like a piece of paper in his hand. It's like, oh, you know, so we go along, and, um, you know, do you remember that golf course? I don't. It was short and tight, mm-hmm. right up my alley. I mean, my ball was, <laughs> I, oh, so. All those courses, every, uh, every course, every course is up, is up my alley. That's right. What am I talking about? So. Every time I hit the ball in the trees, which is probably every other hole, I get out there, like, perfect lie. It's like angels are like, yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at this. So I just whip it on the green, and I'm, I'm having a decent tournament, you know. On Saturday, I wing another one, hook, you know, trying to hit it too hard, hook one into the trees. I go down there. I'm like, I can't believe it. And all of a sudden, it dawns on me. I'm like, rabbit is forecaddying on every hole. Oh, no. Really? And I go, can't be. And it is. I know it. Now all of a sudden it's in my head and I'm like, I don't care. It's, uh, so um, now I'm completely freaked wow, out. Wow, I haven't heard this story. Completely freaked out. So he's moving my ball and he's teeing it up beautifully for me. <laughs> and like the moron that I am, I, it's taken me two and a half, almost three days to catch it. So I said to him, Rabbit, he said, yes, sir, boss. I said, stay back here on the tee with me. I need you back here. Oh, no, sir, boss. I do my best work out in the fairway. I'm aware of that. That's why I want you to stay back here because, you know, I can't have that reputation. Sure. That's sure. So two, maybe three holes, Pearl, that duck hook, smack dab right up what? against the tree. What? I knew I was home. I was like, this is what I'm accustomed back to. back in your comfort zone. Fact, I got to hit you. I got to try to figure it out. Left-handed, cross-handed, just to chip it back sideways. Oh. And he's looking at me like, and I, I went in the, the locker room, I remember, and I found Pater. You know, because I didn't know that many people on tour at the time. I was like, I think this is happening. And he's like, well, don't, you know, you're doing the right thing. Just keep yeah. him with you and tell him to not touch. Wow, yeah. that's scary. Isn't that crazy? Scary. Yeah. yeah, very crazy. So um, that's kind of a, a wild one. You know, another one of the more recognizable Modern-day caddies, it's got to be Fluff, Mike Cowan. Sure. He used to caddy for Peter Jacobson sure. for years and years, and then Tiger when he first got on tour, and now he's Jim Furyk's uh, So when you see guy. some of those guys like Fluff, and I'm not going to remember enough names, Joe, uh, Joe LaCava. Yep. Uh, and they kind of— Just so for people know, sorry to interrupt you. Joe LaCava sorry, worked yeah. for 20 years for Fred, Fred Couples, and now he's worked, worked for Tiger. So when those guys, what, what are some of their characteristics, their traits— that's so interesting that the next great or another com- great player wants them. Their, their calmness. Because the, the thing that happens, Pearl, and you're great at it, but not everybody is. 
because you you're if you're aware of what's going on and you know what's and you know you're getting close to leading the last thing you want is to have your caddy be nervous yeah and show you nervousness or you know because I've had caddies that are just a bundle of nerves on Sunday or Friday or even thir- and I can remember going Take a deep breath. Yeah. Don't yeah, worry you don't about want to anything. Have to, you don't want to have to try to call your kid. No, no, but I yeah. mean, oh, some great guys just get overwhelmed. Mm. You know, you're playing in the last group. You might be playing with some star, and they can't read their yardage book. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. And, 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 and the reputation follows those guys around, you know, because you know what the egos are like and sure. what the demand is like. And if somebody's got a caddy for Fred for that long He's got it. Yeah. He's he's with it. I mean, if Jim McKay, who's going to be on this show uh, very soon, still wanted a caddy, he could caddy for just about anybody I'm he wanted sure. to. Bones. He's doing a great job, by the way, on NBC. I really feel I like think he's, he's doing, doing a wonderful really job, nice too. Job. I think yep. he's added a lot, yep. a lot to what's going out there. And obviously, his presence brings the caddy game more into it, uh, even more so. And when you had Faraday on the show, he yep. talked about kind of knowing all the caddies and how important they were relative to people don't know this. I worked for uh, uh, NBC multiple events, particularly the Ryder Cups, and I had to kind of get tied in, and I knew them a tiny bit through you. I was always an outsider because I wasn't out there that much. But they're the ones that are giving the TV guys what clubs oh, being hit, maybe what shot possibly, you know, with different hand signals. What happens is the caddies – will give the hand signals to the TV commentators or the assistant to the uh, on-course commentators to just kind of help with the whole flow because they don't want you too close to the tees, right. too close to the bags. And no, well, that's exactly what happens when I'm on the ground. It's if if, I, if we have a spot. Yeah, you're doing it. Right, right. Otherwise, the, the caddies are flipping them right to us. Yep. You know, there's a couple of caddies that won't do it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's real interesting. And then how about Steve Williams? we got to right. talk about Steve Williams. He became the highest paid, you got to help me with this, athlete, from New Zealand by caddying for Tiger. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you you just insinuated caddies aren't athletes. I'm not sure what you're playing. I'm not sure what to say. I don't either. <laughs> I'm not saying anything bad, really. No, but, you know, I, like, I don't think I would consider an athlete either. That's that's, this that's is a stretch. To- totally off the track. But when they go down about greatest performances and they throw secretariat in there in the sports world, yeah. and this is way off the beaten track. Meet, yeah. come say- on. How the hell are we supposed to compete against a horse? Well, I'll, I'll throw the jockey in there. I'm not. I'm not going to say the uh, the horse is fantastic, but I'm not. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's another subject. That's upside. Yeah. yeah. Well, the squirrel. Got, yeah. Squirrel. Yep. Squirrel. That's right. We're uh, okay. Um, well, so and let's go to to more of the modern day, more famous sort of caddies, uh, bones that caddied for Phil uh, Jim McKay. Um, Michael Greller has made a hell of a name for himself with Jordan Spieth. Now, where was he beforehand? He was a school teacher. So he was just buddies with Steve? Yep. Okay. And I forget there's a story. I'm not sure if he caddied for him as an amateur or what it was, but there's some sort of connection. Okay. And then, um, you know, he's done very well for himself. Um, you know, we mentioned Joe. We mentioned Joe LaCava. Um, well, there's a lot of work, too, though, with the caddies, and I guess the players at the same time, I think depending on who the player is, of really mapping out the golf course. I know that the, the books are good now. But the guys don't always hit it down the sprinkler lines. So when no. we're in the trees, we're in different places, the caddy's got to have a pretty keen sense of different distances and a feel for things. Because sometimes when you guys are all amped up, oh, is, is how do we plug the yeah, well, how do we, yeah, how do we right. plug that in? Okay, yes, it's 240, but how do we you— We can talk about that story at, um, when we come back on the back night, I mean on our 19th hole about Milwaukee. I would love that. That's perfect. But what, you know, what's, what's interesting, though, is, is it's the caddy needs to know— your game, yeah. like so. If you were going through a course, you would go. You you might you might you you the way you were was perfect for me. You wouldn't say it unless I said it. But I said if I said to you, Pearl, I hate this hole. This sets up poorly. I don't like the look of it. That that you know, you would probably know that ahead of time. And we would have a plan laid yes, out. We would. And we would and and oftentimes than not, those plans paid such dividends for really positive weeks because you took the I took the stress out of that hole had a real um, conservative plan off the tee or into the green but made aggressive swings with that aggre- with, with that, with that plan. conservative with plan, that plan yeah. yeah man that's going to wrap it up for the okay. back nine um, we're going to be heading for a couple uh, commercials and some uh, messages from our sponsor this is uh, Sponsors, I should say, this is Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. 
Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing. They've been around since 1973, and it's been family-owned and operated the entire way. Father Danny Capps started it all. Now sons Matt and Jared are fully involved. And at Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery, they host the area's largest selection of Lazy Boy and Flex Steel furniture. Plus, you'll find a full-service Mohawk Color Center featuring carpet, hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. Everything is professionally installed at Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery, plus easy to and setup of new furniture however and wherever you want it they'll also haul away all of your old furniture can't beat that deal going the extra mile that's what jerseyville carpet and furniture gallery is all about find them online jerseyvillecarpetfurniture.net or call them 618-639-9858 i need to tell you about my friend joe Sheezer at usa mortgage he's been a loan officer for 26 years and over that period of time he has closed over five hundred million dollars in loans and specializes in pairing the right loan program for each borrower. He has unique loans for the first time home bo- home buyers, VA loans for veterans, no cost loans uh, for refinances and cash out opportunities for your credit cards. Right now, Joe just called me last week and I am refinancing refi- my home from a 30-year to a 15-year fixed, and it's going to save me over $100,000 over the life of the loan. You've got to call Joe at 314-628-2015 today. Joe's NMLS number is 281113. It's time for the 19th hole on Golf with Jay Delsing. The 19th hole is brought to you by Mike Duffy's Pub and Grill. Mike Duffy's Pub and Grill, the best burgers in town since 1986. Mike Duffy's Pub and Grill, the best burgers in town since 1986. Well, thanks for staying with us. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Pearly, we just finished 18 holes, and we are headed to our favorite part of the day, the 19th hole. And our 19th hole, we have a brand new official 19th hole of uh, Golf with Jay Delsing show, Mike Duffy's. I'm looking forward to have, when you have your event at uh, Mike Duffy's. I have not. I live a little ways outside of St. Louis. I haven't been to one of his places yet, but I'm sure as heck looking forward to getting to him and to your event. And meeting Mike. Mike's a great great guy. They opened the, the first store in Kirkwood in 1986, and um, they had a simple f- plan. They wanted to create a friendly family neighborhood pub and grill. And that's what they did. They wanted a comfortable place to hang out. They wanted to be able to watch your favorite game. They wanted to have outstanding food. And so mission accomplished. So right now there's three locations, one in Richmond Heights and one in town and country. And you should check out their daily specials. There's trivia nights. There's live music, expanded menu, and huge selection of beer. So when you go to go to the uh, to Mike's uh, Mike Duffy's you got to ask for Mike. He's there, and uh, he is a great guy, and we're so glad to have him uh, on our show. And they've kind of got a motto over there where they wanted to to um, make a place where great food is served by great staff and always your satisfaction is guaranteed. So, again, ask for Mike. If you go over there, say hello. Tell him about you heard about him on the show. And we're going to have some events at the Mike Duffy's. We're going to have a couple beers. We're going to tell some more caddy stories. We're going to ask you if you really did hit the 12th green at Augusta because I'm getting yes, all sorts of flag. Yes, I don't I think you did. Hey, does, so Mike play, does Mike play golf? Do you yeah, know? Oh, yeah. You got to have him on the show. That's the perfect guy to have on the show when we're talking about CEOs, owners, yep. what golf means to them and that kind of stuff. And if he's a good guy, which I, you already said he is in a character, that'd be perfect to get him on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so where were we, bro? We got to talk about so we're talking about caddies. The whole show's about the caddies. We just talked a little bit about how how the caddy needs to know the player's game. Yep. Right? So let's talk about that that incident we had at the 18th. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and set it up, and you chime in, because we need, I mean, we need to have, like, a horn or, like, something that says, like, like whenever you start sensing that I'm making stuff up, you know, Pearly can <laughs> throw, throw up his hand and you just go, you know. And, and um, But we're um, we're coming down the stretch of having a nice tournament, I think, a top seven or eight place finish. Yep. And w- w- the 18th hole at Brown Deer uh, up in Milwaukee is an uphill par five little dogleg to the right. And when I wasn't hitting the ball in the right trees, which was fairly often, I put it in the fairway. We get we direct we devised a plan for staying out of the right trees, mm-hmm. which w- worked beautifully. Anyway, 
So I'm kind of pumped up. Smash your drive down there. Now you're and, playing with Stuart Sink and Kenny Perry that yep, day. Yep, Stuart Sink and Kenny Perry. And I can remember the flagstick being on the front right. Yep. And we had those massive bunkers to carry. And we do our math, and it's like we come up with the effective number of 240 yards, right? 225. Like, I remember 225, and we figured uh, 15 of up uphill. Okay. And so I say to you, this is a perfect five iron. And you, in your wisdom, say, right on. If Jay <laughs> said what he was going to hit with conviction, with confidence, I don't care if I thought it was the worst idea on the face of the earth, I was going to say On a yes. scale of 1 to 10, how bad did you think this play well, was? I didn't know that you could. I thought leaving it short was a good idea, too. <laughs> I thought leaving it short would be okay. Yeah, you know, because at some point, I mean, again, I've carried for you, and I've seen some of that, and I knew you were jacked up. It was going to be a top 10 finish. You're playing with two of the top guys on tour at the time. Uh, so there's so much going on. And yeah. So I take this five iron, hit this beautiful high, high fading high. shot, and I'm like, Man, just be right. And you're over there going, get up, get up. And we get up there, and it's on the back edge of yeah, the green. Unbelievable. And make a real slimy two-putt and, and have a nice tournament. And we're walking to the car after maybe a cold one and clean up my locker and stuff. And, and you say to me, if you ever give anybody trouble about trying to club you, <laughs> you're crazy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're like, how in the hell did you hit your five iron that far in the last hole? And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. You know, we thought about it, and you're like, how did you, how did you pull that club? And I said, well, because I thought four was too much. Yeah, you got I mean, it. I know how stupid that sounds, but no. that is really it. But you, you plug in, and that's where when the caddy is working well, I'm plugging in. Um, and you know, I think I mentioned another show the one time you had, I don't know, 180 to the front green over water down in uh, Shreveport that time downhill lie, and you're like, give me a seven iron. I'm thinking. What are you going to hit it halfway across the lake? What's what's the plan here? And you knocked it on the dang green and made a long putt and had another really nice finish. So that's that's a huge part is is plugging into that. Did we tell the story already about uh, Montreux up in uh, Reno? Did we tell that story? Uh, we did tell okay. that story. I like you this love story. that story. I man, love that I story. Heard that story. Man, I love thank that story. God the we'll fit. We'll tell that one to Mike Duffy. I'm, I'm sure night. we will. I bet we will. Well, let's talk about Phil Mickelson, Tim Mickelson, and John Rom. Most may not know this connection. So, Phil and Bones go their separate ways. Why? Which pretty much Why? shocked everyone. Why? It's never been. You don't Bones, know? Bones, I don't know. I asked him, and he said it was just time. He's such a classy guy. If something happened, you know, Bones. No, no, physically, his knees were going because I think he had one or both knees replaced right afterwards. Right. He's had, yes, that's right. And um, But he physically, he's getting along okay. Yeah. Of course, he's not carrying not a bag. Carrying he's the bag. just got right. his, the back, the the pack around us, right. which is only like 10 pounds. Mm. But, um, and so Tim Mickelson, who was coaching at ASU, he was the head golf coach at ASU, who just saw his best player, John Rahm, leave college to turn pro. Tim's going to start caddying for Phil, while at the same time, he's John Rahm's agent. So Tim Mickelson is the good and the good, the bad and the ugly. He is the good because he's carrying around a golf bag and probably making somewhere between two and four million bucks. Well there's some history on that because wasn't Steve Loy the That's exactly coach where I was. at A okay, go ahead. So Sorry. Phil Mickelson's coach at ASU was this guy named Steve Loy. Kind of a different sort of looking guy, but he was his he was his coach and, and as soon as he got wind of Phil and what Phil's town looked like he submitted that um, resignation to the ASU, and he became Phil's agent, and living pretty much happily ever Gone after. Pretty well, Gone yeah, pretty very, well. very well. So uh, that's an interesting story, though, um, where you know that Tim is using the influence of his brother to get John deals, and John is a world class player in his own right, and needs very little Absolutely. help. And uh, you know they're kind of going happily ever after down the trail. Um, Winning a tournament at 48 at Pebble Beach and, you know, um, giving, giving anybody any trouble they can. Like, uh, what what was the uh, was the comment Phil made on social media to uh, oh, Matt Kuchar? Yeah. Because let's just go to the ugly then. Sure. Because that was a good yep. – the ugly on this thing, you guys, is, is the Matt Kuchar incident down at the Mayacoma Championship. Well, you and I bantered that back and forth a yep. couple times, and apparently uh, – 
Cooch something like uh, uh, agreed to uh, to five three thousand dollars before the tournament started with the caddy, and he's just a local guy. I don't know how skilled he is, not skilled he is, but three thousand probably seemed pretty good to that guy compared to other. It went other like weeks. this: I'll give you a thousand dollars if we, for for the two days if in the in the practice if we miss the cut, two thousand if we make the cut, uh, three thousand on a on a you know a. a, a a percentage of a finish over 20th place or something, and they didn't even mention the win. So when he won the tournament, and he won how much? 1.2? million dollars. That's what Matt Kuchar took home. Not to mention all the bonuses associated with his shoes and his irons and his... And he paid the caddy? $4,000. Now, one side, that was the agreement. It was actually $1,000 more than the agreement. However, it wasn't exactly the agreement. Okay. Because winning wasn't mentioned. That's where it just gets a little bit tough. But at the end end of the day, it could also be, and obviously, if Matt had to do it over again. (laughs) Oh, he took a beating on the social media. (laughs) He would have given him a half million dollars if he had to do it over again. He got stubborn in the middle of that pearl and really didn't do himself any favors. None at all. So So he cleaned it up. He he did. He choked choked his. uh, He sent him down there $40,000, $45,000 more. Still, you know, a great great payday for. Oh gosh, I can't remember his name, the caddy's name, but great. He's he's a club caddy at Mayacoma, and like their best caddy sure, there. And sure. um, so they they've cleaned it up. Um, but that was definitely the ugly. That, what's the standard though, Jay? Standard caddy? Is it true that they're going to get ten percent of a win? Not not if you pick a guy up in the parking lot. Okay. But you would give him. I mean, think about it. Sure, you would give. I would. I would probably give him five to seven percent. Yeah. I really would. I mean, that would be the last thing on my mind after making that kind of money, yeah. not to pay the guy that went through the battle with me. Right, right. Well, and sometimes we all just make kind of funky decisions, yep. and maybe we don't make the next cleanup step very well either. But uh, I think they got it cleaned up pretty much right now. And, and his uh, name was David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And um, David Ortiz, to, to to speak to what we talked about with the, as you caddied, and David Ortiz went to his main boss, the guy that he typically caddies for at Mayacoma, and he helped him compose a letter and sent it to Kuchar's agent, who happens to be uh, Tiger's agent, um, uh, Steiny, Mark Steinberg. And there's allegedly, there was like the mention of, oh, we'll give you a 15 grand. And that didn't sit well with uh, David Ortiz and his friend either. So that's where social media got a hold of it, and I, I think the, the, everything got kind of handled. So the big... The thing, reason you kind of brought this up was when uh, Phil was at the Masters and uh, he was going to play with uh, with Cooch, with, with Cooch, yep. and uh, hit his bombs and all this kind of stuff, and said, "Yeah, well, there won't be any side action because even if we, he did, he'd probably only pay me point oh six of a percent of what he owes me or something." <laughs> pretty harsh, but I guess uh, apparently Matt Cooch is pretty good at putting the needle out there as well. Yeah, he really is. He he really is. But um, boy, we've had uh, some great. Uh, Great stories for the caddies. Let me give a quick tip this week. Um, Pearl, we talk about this all all the time. Folks, know what your strengths and your weaknesses are, and whatever those strengths are, play to them and try to maximize those things. If driving the ball is your strength, then drive the ball. If it's not, then quit forcing the driver on yourself and get that ball into play. Um, We want to work on our weaknesses and definitely get them better, but we don't want to abandon our strengths. We can't just say, oh, I'm great at driving the ball. I don't need to practice it because then we've all seen that. Then that part can leave you as well. So so really try to figure out, you know, it might take you're in the 19th hole just like we are here. It might take a minute. Have a beer and go over your round. Where did you lose the most strokes? There's a lot of value in that. You and I have talked about that many, many times. And, and I think the strength-based you hear that in strength-based coaching. You hear that in business all the time. I think that's great advice, Jay. Yeah, and I mean, and, and so just go over that briefly and go, man, you know, here's a couple things you got to remember, folks. Don't let one swing cost you more than one stroke. Quit hitting the ball in the hazards and quit hitting them out of bounds and knock off your three putts. Man, if you can eliminate those two huge misses, you are going to see your scores go down. Perfect. Great For advice. Sure. Great advice. Man, that's that's going to do it for the show, the caddies, 
Well, it's our caddy show, but we're going to be talking a lot more about caddies uh, in future shows because uh, they're integral part of the whole game and sometimes the funniest part of the whole game. Absolutely. And some of the stuff I do with Jay Delson Golf where we go on these trips, the caddies are fantastic. They walk down the fairways with us. They tell us stories. They're, they're One just thing I wanted to throw out there, if you ever have a chance, if you've never played golf having a caddy, Got to. it's fun. Even if the caddy's not totally versed and yeah. great and stuff, it's just a different experience. I, I absolutely love that part. And I can remember U.S. Amateur and some things like that early on with caddies. It, it really adds a different flavor to the game, and it allows somebody else to learn the game. Yep. I always loved having young kids yep. uh, caddying for me because they could learn the game, or yep. at least part of the game, <laughs> some of the game. Well, John, thanks for being with me this Loved morning. It, Big Sis, thanks for the board. And, uh, Drew, thanks for the live streaming. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, write us at uh, J Jay at jdelsongolf.com. It's J-A-Y at J-A-Y-D-E-L-S-I-N-G-G-O-L-F.com. And, uh, man, enjoy the weather and hit them straight, St. Louis. That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday from 7 to 8 for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com as well as at jdelsinggolf.com.